one buttoned up. I'm very relaxed, as you can tell, I'm stretching. Um, yeah, we're ready. You're looking super clean cut, Adrian. Yes. Oh, I had a bloody trip, mate. I had to shoot some videos for the app this morning and I was I, I had a look in the mirror and I was like, you're a grout, mate. And then I looked, I had a look through those um, videos that we shot when we, when Corona first kicked in, you know, how we did those intros to all the things. And then I look back at them, I'm like, fucking hell. We were just grubs. It looked like we'd just been camping. <laughs> we were. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we were. We actually were camping. Yes, correct. <laughs> so I Mex had to shave, and I stay, uh, Oh, sorry, mate. You hey. had a shave? Yeah. Well, I've got to yeah. say, Max, you're rocking the vet beard, man. Uh, I'm really uh, – you wear it well. You wear it very well. I think it's a process. Is it like, um, you know, and it's just like a, a buck the train complete opposite because you went – Sue, your hair was phenomenal, man. It was it was Yeah, boring. man. I grew it out. <laughs> I, uh, I tried to mimic Bradley Cooper out of uh, Star is Born, but he, I couldn't wear it as good as he does. <laughs> and I, I tried hung- the beard – I gave it for like six weeks. I, I gave the beard a, a good crack for like six weeks and I, I look like uh, that guy off at Team America World Police when he's got the pubes all over his face. I'm like, nah, I wouldn't buy a gun for me, so I got rid of it. <laughs> but like super cousin, redneck. <laughs> yeah, mate, that and the flannel, I was killing it. Fuck yeah. Because I just had a look actually because um, – uh, doing a bit of research, actually, sort of starting to get into the professional side of things. I'm not. Uh, sh- shot shows cancelled or postponed? Uh, well, sort of. I don't know. There's a bit of controversy over that. Um, a bit of misinformation because we actually got emails just recently saying shot show is still going ahead for 2021, and they've actually um, hired out Caesar's Palace for it to make it even bigger. Um, it's just I'm not sure if it'll be open to international. Um, customers and and superstars you know what i mean so could be going ahead uh who's who knows i mean the whole i'll jump in with a question i've got no idea what shot show is oh mate i'm glad you asked adrian Uh, i'll prep for this one Um, (laughs) so so shot show is pretty much the um it's the industry trade show for the firearm industry uh and it's every year in las vegas um every January um, and basically it's what every major manufacturer, minor manufacturer will use to showcase what they're releasing to a government and civilian organisation for um, for 2020 or for that for that year and I uh, mean it's pretty cool it's um, it's an eye-opener uh, lots like we were there for five days and I didn't get to even half of the uh, the stands that were there it was just so much to see heaps of meetings to people you got to go see uh, we represent a lot of companies in australia from america so getting around to make sure you touch with them touch base with them put a face uh face behind the emails it was, it was awesome awesome time man so where just where'd you say it is in vegas oh boy in vegas of all places so there's definitely worse places they could hold it um but man, that whole uh, that whole trip leading up to it was amazing. So Shot Show was just a small part of what was a pretty epic uh, epic time over there. I spent just short of three weeks. Um, flew into LA and immediately went out to Santa Monica to check out Santa Monica Pier and all that. You know, I've grown up listening. Old man used to listen to the Beach Boys, Malibu's just down the road. So 
that was pretty cool. Um, reliving a bit of childhood fantasy there. Plus, uh, my favourite video game, Grand Theft Auto uh, Five, is based <laughs> on a fictional <laughs> Los Angeles. So that was pretty cool. Um, uh, spent a couple of days there. Went down south to uh, um, Camp Pendleton, the Marine Corps base there, and married up with a good mate of mine, scout sniper um, there. He's got this mad um, four-wheel drive Toyota Tacoma that's just built for going off-road. I mean, you could invade a small country and overthrow a government with this thing. It's uh, it's pretty sick. Um, and then we, we drove to Vegas from there. Um, we stopped uh, past uh, Big Bear, California on the way, um, which is a it's a resort town, snow village, and we went full driving up up in the hills there, up in proper frontier country, which was fucking amazing, man. It was one of the best things I've ever done, like being up in this mountain, the big red pine trees and up in the snow, full driving, man. It was, you know how Joe Rogan talks about there's a lot of – a lot of uh, appetite for guys to get out and do that kind of stuff because life is just so easy now. Like you can order food on an app and have it delivered. And it was just really good being out way the hell out in this back country, man. It was fucking sick. Is that um, – hey, does the SHOT Show coincide with – or did it coincide with that mass shooting that happened in – remember that country music festival? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's – um. Man, Mandalay Bay, where that, where uh, Steve Abbott, I think his name was, um, he shot from there, man. That dominates the end of the strip. So he had just perfect fields of fire. Uh, it, it was pretty horrific to think. I think 56 people we he ended up killing. Um, they take it really well, though. Like in their, they've got a big memorial um, to all the people uh, in the airport there, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, but I was a little worried thinking, you know, this is still relatively new. Um, how are they going to take it? But no, guns are a part of America, you know, so they they loved it. Everyone knows. Didn't you have like 17, 17 different gats or? Yeah. And the big thing that he had was um, he had a bump stock, which is uh, an attachment that you put on the rear of the, you replace your standard bus stock with the bump stock and, it doesn't actually turn your gun into a – it doesn't change the sear or anything like that, turn into a fully auto. Basically, it, it's like a giant shock absorber that moves the weapon so quick that it's pulling your finger off and on the trigger. So it's turning a – it's resetting the sear so quick so you're, that you're basically turning your gun into a full auto without doing any adjustment to the to the trigger sear or anything like that. So it's – as a guy that loves guns uh, in the gun industry, I – kind of don't see a need for it you would never really go hunting with uh with something like that because i don't think it's mega mega accurate um so when 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 old dt said he'd look at banning them i was kind of like you know what? i reckon that's a fight that's not really anyone should really be worth fighting you know what i mean not that it matters for years in australia we, we we're not allowed it anyway so we're not allowed anything i don't know what no. um, but i don't know why why don't you just have one gun and lots of mags Lots of ammo. Mate, that's <laughs> it just that's doesn't click with me, man. You think you're, mate. That's the soldier you think you go, man, what one man, six guns kind of thing. Like yeah, no, I um I agree hundred percent. Why not just have heaps of mags and just stack it up? Yeah. Makes sense to <laughs> Shitty me. stop his drills. Yeah, yeah. Stop his that exactly right, Keggs. He's probably just terrible at his drills. Like, oh fuck, just grabbing your gun, like hasn't been doing any of his uh 
dry reps, that's for sure. John stops working, throw it down, get yeah, a new one. Yeah, hell yeah. So because um, the reason I, w- I wanted to get you on, man, is because, I mean, coming from Snipers 1RR that, that I want to talk about later on, but um, yeah, man. me and Sutter both probably had the same experience walking into a gun shop. I walked in to buy my first GAT and I'd done, I don't know, 10 years in the Army and I walked yeah. in there looking like, first off, there was like anxiety. I thought I was going to have some pre-drinks <laughs> before I went in. <laughs> and then second, I was like... Uh, Hey, um, I want to buy a gun, and they're like, "Yeah, no worries. What do you want?" I'm like, "Like, I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I think in Australia, like, there's it's because it's so uh, gun ownership's not a common thing. Like, I went in there going, "I want to, I want to buy a gun," and I'm like, "Is he going to ask me, do I want to shoot someone, or is he going to ask me what I want to do with it?" I'm like, I was, yeah. I was just nervous. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. Um. And that's a that's a big that's a big question uh, a lot of guys will ask is they want to get into shooting but they're too embarrassed to go in and ask because you know they're afraid that the guy behind the counter is going to be like look at this guy doesn't know what he's talking about you know what an idiot but we were we were all beginners once you know like fuck man I was I was a sniper for fucking twelve years I don't know anything outside three oh eight or twelve point seven or, or three three eight, you know what I mean? So I'm still learning myself and I'm in the industry. So some guy that wants to start fresh, well, what what chances he got if if he's just gonna be pulled apart when he walks in with uh with a lot of arrogance and, and unfortunately there is a lot of arrogance in the gun trade. Um you know, like sometimes you're going to a full drive store and they're a bit like look at this guy kind of thing. So it can be a little bit um, daunting, but basically what we ask is what what do you want to achieve? Like, What's your end state? Do you want to hunt with it? Do you want to shoot long range? Do you want to shoot competition? Um, you know, really what's, what's your end state? When they can provide us that, we can then start to suggest um, certain things. The big thing is the budget, you know, what's your budget? What are you willing to spend? Um, you can, you don't have to go broke to have fun that's the thing man you can spend two thousand dollars on a decent rifle maybe fifteen sixteen hundred bucks on a good set of glass and and you're going to have just as much fun as the guy that dumped 12 grand on a custom gun so it's really up to how much you want to spend and at huntsman you know we're happy to walk people through that we get that a lot i mean i've had probably five phone calls today just on people that wanted a bit of advice they had no idea what they wanted but they just wanted a bit of advice on where they should start so it's um yeah that's really it you know what do you want how much you got to spend yeah because i walked <laughs> i walked in there and i was like uh yeah i'm thinking about getting a 762 rifle and they're like hey in the army are you mate <laughs> like, yeah he's like let me guess ammo's yeah. cheap yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh Apparently, we do three, we, we do 308 and 20 uh, 223 mate i'm like ah oh, fuck right well let's how about you tell me what i need to do yeah um, yeah and it was sick, man. I got a gat, and then they're like, oh, "How much money do you want to spend on a scope?" And I was like, "Fuck, it doesn't really matter. I can't shoot for shit anyway." So I think I got a red. I don't even know what brand it was. It was like a red something cheap, two hundred dollar yeah. scope on a on a Remington M seven hundred. And I was like, "Okay, it does me, mate." Sitting, yeah. in, you're sitting in the banging up against the truck and shit. So, see, that's um, you just broke the card. You just did the cardinal sin there, Max. You spend your great gun and then cheaped out on the optics, man. That's like yeah. buying a Ferrari, then you know. <laughs> Going, yeah, we'll just chuck a set of retreads on it. She'll be right, mate. You know, yeah, <laughs> this is good. Still do burnouts. Yeah, yeah, you still do burnouts, just for not as long. Um, 
what the, the advice we, we try to give the guys is buy the best set of glass you can before you gun because the optics are really the key key component. Um, and mounts, like I used the example free treads on a Ferrari. You you see, I've seen a lot of a lot of guys. Unfortunately, they've been led um, led astray by some other gun shops. They've bought these beautiful guns, like excellent guns that'll group really well, shoot really well, and then they're like, "Man, I can't zero this thing. What's going on?" And it's because they've got like a fifty dollars set of mounts that just keeps throwing the zero on the gun. They loosen up and you got to spend the money wisely. So if you're going to spend, say, two grand on a, on a rifle, you need to spend around two grand on on a set of optics and rings to mount up to to really to get what you you get what you pay for. Unfortunately, in, in the industry, so cheaper is not always not always the best option. But it's it's, it's purpose dependent too. Like the, for your first time, hundred percent. If you walk in there, I'm like. If I'm spending two grand on a on a rifle and then two grand on a sight, chances are you're probably going to go and shoot tins in the backyard and don't need yeah, a two yeah. grand sight. Um, and that's why I, th- I think like our goal. I, I don't want to. I don't know if this is what you wanted to talk about later, Max. But but getting some kind of intro to firearms program on this app would be sick. But I think what's more important yeah. than learning learning what to look for is learning how to find shops that are going to give you good advice. Because like. Yeah. like my one of my big anxiety points when I went in even recently to buy two new guns was there's not Australia doesn't really have a big gun culture, so there's not a lot of information no. out there. And, and what information you can find, you're not sure how good it is. So I walk in there with no real budget in mind. Like I knew what I had to spend, didn't really know what I needed to to, to spend, and I kind of just went in there and, and then put my like faith in the dude behind the counter and yeah. said, "Hey, can you give me advice?" Now, he, if this is if, if the firearm industry in Australia is like used cars, he <laughs> could have sold me dog shit for five grand. I would have said, "Yes, yeah, good to go." Yes, we made. I'll take two. It looks like a rifle, feels like a rifle. I can't sh- test fire at any shop, so I'm giving him money and I'm walking out with it. The site that he gave me, I was honestly even even the word site. Right, like, this is another sticking point we need to clarify. I went in. I'm like, "Can I get a decent site?" And he's like. Oh, you mean a scope, mate? I'm like, ooh, we would have got oh, smacked for calling it a scope back, no, in, the day. Fucking back <laughs> in the day. Boy. Yeah, I think finding finding people or, or helping the young boys find gun shops or, or, or advice from someone um, is far more important, I think, than 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 just saying, "Hey, go and get this one." Like, tell them where yeah. to go to get more information. Because you, yeah, with, with mate, Huntsman, you. You do. Uh, you've got a uh, YouTube channel as well, eh? That does it with your yeah. huntsman and stuff. Or? Yeah, yeah, no, and, and we're killing it too. I, I think I've got like two hundred. <laughs> so, so. You know, um, uh, the goal is a million uh, subscribers, so we're only like nine hundred and ninety something thousand off that. So you know, the the end is uh, just about there for the end state. But um, no, nah, man, you're exactly right. We do have a, a media channel that are put together and. That's basically just, well, for one, it's a bit of fun. Um, and it's just for us to review some of the products that uh, that we shoot to educate uh, customers, you know. Like um, you can jump on the internet and every idiot out there is willing to give you their opinion. Um, so something we pride ourselves at Huntsman is we're all ex-diggers, uh, all of us. It's a nearly 100% veteran-owned company and we look after the AJs really well. Um because we've all been there. Uh, my first gun I bought probably wasted a lot of money on on something that I didn't need. Um, so we're happy to always happy to help the boys out. And um, 
and we do a lot. A lot of the guys are, you know, post to Perth or, or New South Wales or they're going overseas. Uh, we will we'll hang on to their guns for them. We don't charge a storage fee. A lot of other guys out there, they'll charge like, you know, five bucks a day storage fee. You stretch that out over a six-month deployment. That's a fucking lot of money, man. Like, we, we don't do that, mate. Um, so we try and look after guys where we can. Same with like, police, all first responders. We look after them. We'll, we'll offer a discount for them as well, you know. Everyone else out there is getting a discount. Like uni students are getting a discount for going to fucking school and being a professional student. Why shouldn't people that put their hand up to serve the country get a discount as well? You know what I mean? So, I think it's but, sick. Um, and, and yeah. we got it. We got to get you on the. Um, yeah, you'd have to get a program together. We'd have to have a talk after this and try and get yeah, a program man. together for the app, mate, just to take the boys through it. Um, and then uh, I have to go across and subscribe to your show. I can't make a little bit. I saw yeah, your man. first video. I was like. This is it. I want to watch this. This is good. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, like you guys know, it's like getting in front of a camera. I'll, I'll be, I'm a little bit introverted, um, and I'll, I'll know exactly in my head exactly what I say, and I'll, I'll know what I'm going to do. And as soon as I jump in front of the camera, I just turn into an idiot. Like, looking uh, what? <laughs> like tripping over basic English. Uh, I wasn't very smart anyway, but. Basic English in front of a camera seems to be the most difficult thing for me at the moment. So, uh, getting there slowly. It drops your cortisol by about, uh, sorry, it drops your <laughs> IQ by about a hundred as soon as the camera's in front of me, <laughs> mate. Yeah. We do we do pack update videos or or, or simple cooking videos. You got to and Sutter's like you got to say three things, mate. And I'm like, cool. And I'll say the first thing, and I'm like, potato. What the fuck are the other two? <laughs> <laughs> But it's easy, me giving direction behind the camera and I'm like, uh, mate, it is like my brain's going, What? why is he fucking this up? It's three words. He's got to say three words. And he's like, yeah. right, you do it then. Come around the front of the camera. I'm like, can't remember. <laughs> it was those three words are gone. <laughs> mate, I uh, I can relate to that so much. Like it just turned into a spastic. And I was actually really frustrated one time. I was filming and I felt real good. I was on the run, on the trot. I'm like, man, I'm killing this. This is amazing. And then I walked around and realized the battery had gone flat on my camera and I, it didn't get any of it. I was like, you mother. I, I nearly I was microseconds away from putting the camera through the wall, which uh, short-term game would have been a pretty hard one to explain to the boss while I destroyed the camera. But I kept YOLO at the time. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> Because I mean, it's mate. Give me a sec. I'm, I'm kind of glad that um, you're coming on and and put your hand up to to sort of share this info with people because it comes from a place where you know what the fuck you're talking about. Because how long did you spend in snipers, mate? I joined the army 2005. Um, did my basic sniper course 2008. So about 12 years, I was pretty much sniper stream. And you left as a the supervisor, hey? One hour yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So started number two, made my way up team leader, and then left as supervisor. So I was pretty lucky to get a full run, full career. And that is that is that is lived experience, digger, all the way through. Knows how to shoot. Doesn't take shit. Doesn't talk shit. And that's nah. where you want to learn and listen from, mate. That's why we wanted to get you on so much. Because um, you, you were the you were the because you come you were Af- you were the sniper. Uh, one of the sniper quads in Afghan, hey? Yeah, man, 6 uh, five Zulu. Me, yeah, yeah, MRTF2. Me, Crooksy, Troy, and Jesse, yeah, we were over there. In fact, I think that's my first 
our first mission with the omelet was with you boys out of the teak. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, they kept blowing up the, the, the IED. They kept the IED in the water resupply, so we got called out there to do some counter IED missions to try and so you boys could actually have a, have a fucking shower. Did you? Uh, yeah, they blew the fuck out of the water truck day three. And we're yeah. Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to. We're, there's two bushmasters. Me and Kongi go down the hill three days into it, and we're like. And and so you're a crew commander, like, yeah, I know what I'm fucking doing. Like, I'm a crew commander. Kanye was my driver, and we're fucking killing it. And so we go out. There's a big contact, three-hour jump in the cars, and we go down the front of this patrol base, and Kanye is a really intelligent, mature dude, and he's cool, calm, and collected, mate. Like, you could tell him he's got cancer, and he'd be like, oh, well, that's fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> and there was – there was we, we were at a fucking crossroads, mate. There was a left, and there was a right way to go. There was stay on the road and possibly get ID'd or go off the road into a into a like a mud paddock. And I was like, ah oh, fuck, mate, Kongi, go left. And he's like, mate, we'll get bogged. I'm like, it's a bush. It's a bush master. Go and master it. And we took we went, we, we went four feet off the road, mate, and we straight away. And then as soon as we got bogged, I'm like, yeah, Kongi just reverse. He's like, I know, mate. And we, <laughs> and then all you hear is contact right and i'm like and there's an rpg team moving on the, and we're just like i'm like oh we're bogged in the middle of a contact <laughs> yeah <laughs> winning it was funny man because we got super calm afterwards we we're like okay um we should probably get out of here hey yeah, so yeah. it was a benny hill special trying to push us out but um <laughs> man <laughs> having you boys out there and watching it and i, I don't know how how you guys would have done the control you would have had to do to go out there and operate and know full well some of the things that people were doing, but you didn't have PID or or was it oh, within? Mate. It was enraging. Um, look, I, I won't say who, but our very first mission, like we're on the flight line ready to leave and this the person in charge has come over and goes, hey, uh, guys, I know it gets pretty hectic out there, but if you can get some footage of the people doing the bad stuff through your uh, through your optics prior to engaging, you know, that would be really good. It would help plead your case. And we're like, oh, you know, I feel in full of a lot of confidence here that if we uh, if we drop a couple of people that we're not going to wind up on ABC. So uh, that, um, that wasn't the most comforting thing. But there was a few cases there where you could tell they were bad guys and we really, really wanted to uh, – Really wanted to stop them being bad guys, but we just couldn't get the couldn't get the clearance. So one time, I remember I won't go into too many war stories, but we were literally watching a guy lift a cage. Two two blokes lift his cage. They pulled up in the car, playing as they lifting the cage. Um, it was during that big mission um, when we cleared pretty much cleared all the Mirabad Valley right before we uh, started building patrol base Wiley. And as the combat uh-huh. teams are clearing through the green. Um, these guys just come out of the green. Uh, they pulled up in a vehicle, actually, right in front of us, like 400 metres. I wouldn't even have to put data on for that, just hold centre. And 400 metres, man, they come and lift this cache, and we could tell them, man, these guys are bad, 100% bad. Um, but we couldn't see any weapons, so we're like, fuck, we should probably call this in. And the ground commander's like, oh, yep, hold. Uh, we'll send out a team to interdict. And we're like, ah, this is kind of time critical, man. They, they're not going to be here. Uh can we can we shoot these fuckers? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, hold, we're sending a team. And they got back in the car and fucked off. So uh, 
we uh, later on the ground commander come back and goes, hey, uh, where should we go? And I'm like, don't bother, mate. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. They're going to lay some IEDs. You'll probably find them in an hour or so, you know, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, the so. boys are going to trip over some. There were some boys that tripped over some uh, Operation Certain Death is what they called that. I was going on leave with Sutter. We were on Rockall and they yeah, were starting man. to do the Mirabad Valley clearance and I'm like, that's it. There goes my yeah. war. I'm going to miss I'm gonna miss everything. I'm going to be on leave. And yep. then, uh, yeah, everyone went through and cleaned up before we got there, so. Mate, it's actually really funny you, you say that um, about tripping on the IEDs and everything. I was talking to Nighty a few weeks ago and we were just talking about how lucky everyone really was on our trip that we only had, you know, unfortunately Ben get killed and was get injured really badly. Like a lot of guys injured, but fuck, man, some, so, so many close calls. We probably should have a lot more KO and like boys getting killed on that trip. But pretty lucky when you think about it. Yeah, who, 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 who pulled Paul- Sam? Say again. <laughs> no, you can cut that video, mate. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, who um who kicked the who kicked the fucking um he's serving down south at the moment. He kicked the uh, tripwire so hard he pulled the so it was a peg and alfoil and he kicked it so oh, hard he, just, he pulled up. Yeah, yeah just completely disconnected it. Yeah, yeah, just, just disconnected it and he saw the thing go that? across his feet. It was like uh, tripwire. Fuck, oh, man. <laughs> mate, probably. Like I had like my team. We had that close call with the ATV. Um, when I was on the bike uh, coming in, we were patrolling in. It was a joint mission with the Dutch and um and us, their snipers at night. And we rolled in down this really fucking steep finger. I ended up rolling the ATV. That's how steep it was. That was that was pretty uh that was pretty interesting. Nothing like rolling a bike with about two hundred thousand dollars worth of guns and optics on it. So that was pretty cool. But uh. It wasn't until how a couple of days later. Oh man, it lucky. You know how they got the the tray on it that lifts off. It was lucky the tray burst open and wedged it in like a triangle. Otherwise, that bitch wasn't stopping. Man, it was going to it was going to go all the way down. Because how I, far do you boys? So, so um, for everyone else that, that isn't in the army that didn't go to Afghan, it's it's literally when we talk about the green zone, it's it's like what four hundred meters either side of a river, and then it goes flat desert for a k k and a half sometimes more and then into like razorback mountains right yeah and you yeah. boys had to hump up those fucking things <laughs> mate we did we did it was uh it was good fun though like i, I fucking love it man there's not a day go by where i don't think about uh that trip and and the boys we worked with uh that was the best time of my life we didn't even realize it but yeah climbing those like you think of you think Afghanistan, you think of the war and all that, but there's some truly beautiful moments, man, when your sun is rising, you're up in the mountains and it's spreading across the valley and it's like, fuck man, this could be a beautiful country if it just wasn't full of so many shitbags, you know what I mean? Like the perfect perfect adventure place. You full drive, dirt bike, some places there you could snowboard, you know, over near the Chinese border. Just the perfect place to have fun if uh, if there wasn't people just trying to cut you out off all the time. No. <laughs> How long would it take you to get up? Because uh, you went up right at the back of the like those proper high features. Yeah, man. Driving quads yeah. up there, or do you hump it in? We only had the quad for one mission, and I ran over an IED and rolled it off the side of a hill. So they got taken off us shortly after that. <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> 
See, this is why we don't give diggers good stuff. Yeah. Fuck off, <laughs> mate. Exactly Are you right. serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, this is this is why you can't have nice things, you know. Like we we those they were a force multiplier those bikes. We it was an eight day job, so we had eight days worth of water and ammo and everything on it, and flew in by Chinooks, rode it off the back. I thought I was the coolest guy in the in the world. Ran over an ID, didn't even realise it. Um, we missed the pressure plate either side by just a couple of um, centimetres um, and it was about 50 kilos of HMA after that, the engineers afterwards because a troop, troop of um, – troop, I think it's a troop of, of lads wanted to set up Overwatch after that and they found the pressure plate and saw our wheel track to either side of it and when the mission finished, we pulled up and married up with them. They're all – I remember it was Rhino um, – He's shaking, like shaking hands and hugging us. He's like, "Fuck, boys! Someone was looking after you guys that night." Like, so, um, yeah, we only had the ATVs for the one mission, which was a bit of a shame because they made life pretty easy. But we walked everything else, you know, with the helos, trying to remain um, obviously clandestine. So we'd we'd land around five, six k's out in the dash and walk in, um, and really, by the end of it, man, we could climb anything pretty quickly. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, one of the best missions we did was when they finally linked snipers up with the recon. We did a, a proper counter AD mission on, um, I think it was the Baluchi Crossing, that one near Kudus. Uh, they kept getting IED. Like every time the Shoujo would go through, they'd bang in an IED. So, man, we did a proper proper counter AD mission, like deception and everything, because we had the A and A base right between us. I forget what that one was called. Um, and we went out right on last light, walked three or four k's in the wrong direction to set that deception. And then as soon as it was dark, we whipped back around, um, terrain shielded, got into this position, built a pretty sweet hide, spent all day, all morning on our guts, couldn't move. So, you know, proper sniper stuff like pissing in a water bottle and all that kind of stuff. And um, only to have the shojo come through and the I remember the infantry commander Obviously, he hadn't been briefed on the mission. Like they were effectively the bait. Um, obviously, he hadn't been briefed on the mission, and he's jumped out, pushed the boys out, cleared it, and then left the boys in to hold it open and uh, for security and push the PMVs through. And we're jumping on the comms, going, "What are you doing? Like, you 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 got to leave. Like, we're we're, we're baiting this dude. And like, no, nah, we we don't want to have to clear it on the way back. So." We're like, no, no, you, you got won't have to. You won't have to fucking clear it if we shoot the guy in the fucking head. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, mate, we just watched. Uh, we watched these boys just sit, kicking rocks, while we're like, you motherfucker, we we tried so hard for this one, uh, and um, yeah, they came back through, and off they go back to TK, and we sat there in the freezing cold and the rain, going, yeah, cool, well, that was a waste of time, and. So we knew the mission was over, so Kippo tried calling it in to see if we could collapse, and they're like, oh, no, nah, remain on target just in case he comes back. They're like, motherfuckers. So he ain't coming back. <laughs> he's not coming back, mate. There's no way. So, yeah, we spent the rest of that day in the, in the fucking cold and rain because it rained as well. So spent there freezing in the Afghan winter, waiting for dark so we could move back to base. So that was a, that was a pretty cool one. I was pretty stoked with that. Standard. <laughs> fucking Standard. But no, I mean, that was a good trip. And there's a difference, man. Like, um, um, I got qualified on a rifle, which was an SR25. I know how to, I know how to shoot it. I was certainly, and there's a difference because, because, um, Troy come out, uh, Millhouse come out to the patrol base, yeah, yeah. and he's like, "You got SR25? Do you want to teach you how to shoot it?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I know how yeah, to shoot yeah. it, bro." And he's, and he's like, "Where's your holdoffs? Where's your data?" I'm like, 
What are you talking about, Gun? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I hold it here. It's got a grip. It's got a grip, and I shoot, it's and I don't. Grip. And he, he took me out the range, man, and and uh, we tried doing some data shooting and trying to look, get some data for it and and all the hold offs. And I was like, sick, and uh, to no avail, mate. To no avail. I reckon. Nah, come yeah. on, mate. <laughs> didn't you uh, didn't you let rip at someone there next? No comment, mate. No comment. No comment. <laughs> charity to run, mate. You got a charity to run. No comment. <laughs> no comment. You got a charity. To don't, run. don't answer that question. Don't answer that question, mate. Uh, what, mate what, uh, what question? I think I fired my gat about five or six times over there in different incidents, and I hit maybe two people. The rest of the time, the rest of the there was a dude, and and we we broke file around a a, a um. Like a fob, me and Rita started to split files, go down either side, and the NA run off. And we saw this dude, mate, and I was like, "You're." And they started firing. I'm like, "We're on. Like, we're in contact. Let's go get yeah, this yeah. guy." And obviously, bloody old mate, super fit, and off we went. And I am heaving, mate. With <laughs> and we must have ran 200 meters. I stopped in an aqueduct because I didn't think I'd have the energy to break gravity. I'm like, I can't yeah. jump. It's like a, a one meter bloody. I'm like, I'm not. Um, this is it. It either dies now or I'm going to be exhausted. Yeah. And I tried, mate, for the life of me. I'm like, I had Miller's sh- Miller Millhouse was over my right shoulder, just yeah, yeah. whispering like an angel in my ear. Yeah. And I shot high, low, left, right. Every time I pulled the trigger, it, it hit and like a, in front of an apple orchard, like <laughs> in, in front of the tree, behind it. There's boys on the radio because there's like, there's little M16s going off, pop, 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 pop. And then there's yeah, yeah. a 762 going boom. I fired 17 rounds, and by the end of it, people are like, have you shot? Didn't I'm like, nah, didn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's scared. Like, it's a pressing fire. Come on. Fuck. He won't be back. I'm DFSW. I don't know. One round within a meter. <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to point at baddies and pull the trigger heaps of times real fast. Yeah. That's what baddies <laughs> are supposed that's, to do. That's what they do in the movies, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, mate, if it's any, any – sorry, man, if it's any consolation, the first uh, contact I got into, I leapt over a aqueduct and slipped on my ass. So that was pretty funny. Was yeah, they never put cool excited. soundtracks to that shit, do they? No. Nah, no, nah, yeah. man. Like, no like, slow-mo. I mean, no, it was me and Crooksy. We were on a flank trying to push up, and I had one of the engineers with us, and we've leapt – I've leapt over this aqueduct like a mad hero, and – Landed in the mud on the other side, slipped straight on my ass back into the aqueduct. I'm like, oh, just taken up a fire position. You know, this looks this looks pretty good. We'll Try and cover here. it up. <laughs> oh, mate, it was pretty. I want to know. I want them to put a soundtrack to. You know, when you've got a, you've got like you've got Afghan bum, and you're on a patrol, and you've really got to take a shit, and so you and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna. At the start, you get all like super coy, like, oh, people are gonna see my bottom. Yeah, uh, and then at the end of it, I, one of our, our um, sergeants, Sully, was a fucking legend. He was just like, "I got to take a shit," and he would just stare at you while he's doing. That was a meme that I saw the other day. It was like the video, the recruiting video. What what I thought I was going to do in the army. What I really did <laughs> took shits in people's front yards. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh, mate, it's so accurate. What a play! So accurate. You either shat in someone's yard or. You sat in someone's yard on their shit. Because there was yeah. human shit kind of everywhere. Oh, man. There was fuck that everywhere. Just 
feces, just fucking feces. Like, come on, man, dig a hole. It's not that hard. Yeah. Come on. There's dirt everywhere. I reckon it got people got dysentery. I reckon that was a thing. What I remember, one of the boys, Ian, shit himself so bad. It was his eight, it was his twenty first birthday, and he just lay in his bed. He's like, oh, happy birthday. I remember that. I was there. <laughs> I was there for that, man. It was that same job we got because uh, you just had yeah. no water. So yeah. I remember this poor, poor come out. Oh, oh sorry, C bomb. Um, this poor Stand bastard it. was dead. <laughs> Uh, this poor guy. Where are you? Oh, <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> Come on, mate. I was I was just coming off um off picket, and I just saw this trail of uh of of shit, liquid shit, and I come over and he's got a ration tin full of water and he's he's cleaning himself up. He's like, hey man, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He goes, yeah, shit the shit the bed. I remember you you had something smart. <laughs> it was brilliant, Samex. I remember naturally. Like, I wish I could remember this day, but I remember pissing myself on. Uh, poor poor bastard. Happy birthday, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you go from from the frustration, the shit, and the fun times, and then uh, you left you left the army? What was what? And and not not jumping into like super super sad shit, but. Yeah, man. Was there? Was it? What did you notice getting out? Because there's some things that I, I've been noticing myself, and I keep promising to do like a little bit of a video to let other yeah, people yeah. who are transitioning know. What are some of the things that 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 you've sort of started noticing or noticed from transitioning? And that sounds weird too, because people are like, are you nah. becoming a woman? Like, no, no, I'm leaving the army. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it's 2020, man. I don't judge. No judgment. Mate, um, that is a great question. Just give me a second to reset this camera. Yeah, no worries. Because it's, uh, I don't know, you can be forearmed, and that's the that's the that's the benefit of of proactivity is is understanding what you could possibly go through, so you can identify it early. But uh, mate, I still don't think it changes the 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 end state. Yeah, well, mate, I um, just like you, and just like uh, like you, Adrian, we got in had the perfect time man like post uh 9-11 or 11 september we all knew we were going overseas we all knew we were going to bang it in man um i i joined in um 2005 like i said and i truly had a an amazing career man like i i got to the battalion um coral day of all fucking days 2006 um nothing like oh 12th of may Hey. <laughs> back just trying to just trying yeah. to spike your anxiety, mate. Okay. No, mate, come on, I know that you, you can't spend nearly fourteen years in one area and not. That was a legitimate question because I've completely <laughs> doubted up that shit. Nah, bro. <laughs> oh, no, no, nah, no, nah, man. Um, so yeah, I arrived on Coral Day of all days, and this is back like you. You were just you. You podcast with Coco was was brilliant talking about hazing like when you took over three platoon there's a difference between hazing and initiation and and we were right on the cusp of hazing um <laughs> like we turned up the battalions absolutely got a skin full they've been drinking all day and this busload of fucking jubes straight out of uh straight out of Singo middle of Singo winter so we're all dressed up in in warm weather gear jump out in the middle of a a Townsville summer so about 30 degrees and a billion percent humidity uh, not Townsville summer Townsville winter I should say um, and they just let us have it, you know. We're we're all thinking, oh, you know, they, it's it's Friday afternoon. They're not going to beast us. They beast us. They beasted us. You know, go get in your cams, fucking right dress, left dress. They're marching us around, breast pocket height. You fucking, you know, 
then they got us, made us get in PT gear and they're like, tuck your shirts in, and just beasting us. And then they finally let us come down to the mess, uh, to the boozer. But we weren't allowed in the boozer. We had to sit outside on the curb while they held abuse at us and just looked at us. And we're all like, oh, my God. <laughs> What have we done? It was like that scene out of Jarhead, man. When they got to the uh, when they got to the uh, unit, uh, and then I remember we uh, we're all living in the transit accommodation, about ninety of us, and uh, Big Sergeant Camilla come up on the Sunday morning, and he goes right over, "Hey boys, welcome to Townsville. Uh, what he's doing today?" I'm like, "Oh, I wouldn't mind getting out and having a look." And he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, I can tell you what eight of you are doing. You're going to go and replace everyone that's on guard." <laughs> like, oh. oh, okay, Sarge. So, uh, yeah, we marched down and do guard for the very first time. Been in the battalion two days and got a guard, so pretty stoked. Um, and then there they just beasted us for two weeks uh, until they finally invited us to the boozer and we did Terry Turbo and got initiated, got us, um, we're allowed to wear our puggaree and we're allowed to wear our blue PT shirt. And that was sick, man. That was like, to this day, still one of the best feelings, you know, having the whole battalion sing, you know, here's to... Joel, he's true brew kind of thing while you chug Terry Turbo. Um, yeah, that's a thing, man. I remember that. We stopped we, – They, you weren't allowed to wear your blue – your tan shirts until you got in, yeah. after your first boozer got initiated. Now, yeah, like, yeah. oh, just go and buy it. Yeah, just go and buy it, boys. So you, how long yeah. are you in the Army, Furry? Mate, uh, just, under, just under 14 years, man. So – You've like, 14 years? Hang on. Yeah, bro. Sorry, I'm – There'll be half a point in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, send it. Um, you were in for 14 years and it took you two weeks of dog shit and being treated like shit. Then after that, it was all sick. Mate, and yet 14 it. years later, you still remember that as a positive. Yeah, mate, so 100%. Like, if, if people don't believe, I mean, call it what you want, hazing is now a dirty word, but if it goes on forever, then whoever's doing it's a fucking bully and yeah. they need to pull their head out. If it goes on for two weeks and you hate life for two weeks, it's going to be super sweet when it stops, and that's what it is. And everyone remembers those stories. Going, yeah, when I worked, when I first rocked up, I was treated like shit. Had to prove myself. It's kind of the point. Like a lot, a lot of the boys yeah. join the infantry, especially because like I've got to prove myself. I'm 18. I don't know if I'm what I'm made of. You need to be fucking roughed around and treated a little bit like shit, so that when 100%. it's over, it's all positives. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's that whole earned, not issued mentality. Like, I've worked for this. I've I've been initiated. I'm now part of the brotherhood kind of thing, whereas you're not just turning up and, oh, cool, wicked. Well, I'm going to wink and I knock off that. kind of thing, you know? One of our boozers, one of our boozers were, back in the day, were amazing at that. Whether that was planned or it happened by accident, <laughs> you turn up at the boozer on a Thursday and you got to fight your way into the mortar pit or up the fatties hill. You, re- you, you either walk away with scars and then you feel good anyway because you're like, oh, I had a crack. Or you get yeah. you you make it through and you're like, that was fucking sick, but you're going to get yeah, smashed yeah. along the way. Mate, yeah, they were going. Mate, now, mate, uh, now they're no more. Mate, I still remember our first um, Boozer's Bravo company. They marched us in and it was a stitch up. Uh, Mick Johnson had stitched us up with Tommy Aiken and they marched us past the mortar pit and we got jumped and the – Bravo flag got taken, and I remember uh, Lucas Boyer coming over. And goes right, hey Jibs, you can either pay the mortars five cartons of piss, or you can take it by force. So I suggest you just buy the cartons. And we're like, nah, fuck that. We'll take it by force. And we charge this uh, pit man. Dude's getting flogged up. It was wicked. Shirts getting torn off. We're like brand new. Just got issued my. We just got given my battalion t-shirt, and it's torn off. But I didn't care. And mate, I remember uh, I got yanked out. 
and this dude standing over me, he's ready to cave my head in and we both kind of focus and it was turns. A mate of mine who we went to the same high school, he was a year above me. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I just got in. He goes, all right, fuck off. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and, and, and ran away. And I'm like, thank God, because I was about to get pummeled. But no, it was sick, man. Um, but but kind of getting back on track, yeah, I got to the Italian. Um, within six months, you know, that incident in Timor kicked off in 2006 where Alfredo Ronaldo broke out of jail and uh, we got reacted to that. So within six months, I was on a ready reaction deployment Um up in the up in the mountains and jungles, that was that was fucking cool, man. I'm like, man, I haven't even been in the army a year yet, and I'm on on operations. This is sick. And then 2007, we went back um, as part of BLGT two, I think it was, up a Stute. 2008, did my sniper course, and Kippo, the supervisor at the time, said whoever passes this course will be going to Afghanistan. So I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm failing the sniper course. So uh, 2009, uh, deployed um, to Afghanistan. Bit of quiet time between then, did my promotion courses, uh, team leader course, 2014, went back to Afghanistan. Um, then things started to slow down, as, you, as you're acutely aware. Trips started drying up, and then I got one last lucky gig. I got on Op Augury in 2018, went over to the Philippines, trained their snipers, um, which was really rewarding, um, training those boys, because they were literally, we were training them, and then they were getting back. Well, they were going back into combat like, a couple of the next days afterwards. Uh, I actually had photos. Um, one of the Marcel guys I uh, taught some sniper stuff to, he went on a mission and one of the other boys I taught came over and he goes, hey, man, have a look at this. And he shows me his phone and it's uh, a stack of Islamic dudes, Islamic terrorists that they'd towed up that morning and he'd lined them up like a like hunting trophy. He's like, have a look at this. I'm like, man, that is so fucking cool. Like, that's, that's the best thing ever, like seeing – we trained these boys, like give them some mad tips, and then they went and implemented them in that that morning, and you know killed like nine people. So that was that was sick. That was really cool. Um, yeah, I think that's but, fucking um, phenomenal, dude. That that's yeah, all the stuff where you can see, like the stuff you do and train. Because I, I don't remember. I, I mean, I remember boys saying that for whatever reasons it was it was it was it was rough, not anything to do with the job, but with the conditions and, and shit like that. But oh yeah, but um. Everyone said just teaching dudes who were going and banging it in the next couple of days was like it, it was a thing. Man. It was like it was, and uh, the little the fellows were, were awesome, man. Like I think we went over there thinking they were going to be a bit like the ANA, um, but they mate, they're just brown little Westerners uh, without being racist. They they speak really good English. Like they speak better English than I could speak Filipino. That's for sure. Um, they're funny. And they get our humour, man. Like they were awesome dudes, uh, great guys to work with, and they took really good care of us. You know, they we'd get on the piss with them in Manila, and they're all packing nineteen elevens and keeping us safe, like telling us, "Don't go down there. That's a lady boy. You know, don't do this. You know, kind of thing." So, so they uh, they looked after us well. Obviously, I was nowhere near the lady boys. That's um, that's not my bag, but uh, but um, it was awesome, man. But. But I was starting to get burnt out. By 2017, I was getting a little bit burnt out, um, a bit tired. The job was tra- was changing um, and because we had had such a good run, like deploying five times is unheard of and having such a good run to have it slowly start to change. 
that deployment 2018 re, reinvigorated me, man. It gave me the passion again to keep cracking on. But by mid 2018, again, I was I was fucking cooked. Like I was I was also starting to um, get niggling pain just starting to turn into constant pain. And I remember waking up one uh, Saturday morning after a pack march, and I had pins and needles and throbbing in my feet and my hip, and I was like, fuck how much longer am I going to do this? Um, so I went to the docks and they pretty much, I won't bore you with the details, man, but I got stuffed around with, um, with my medical, with, with medical. Um, I was originally going to, I was looking for employment somewhere else because um, I wasn't really happy with the job anymore. And I didn't want to become that disgruntled sergeant that just hates everyone, hates everything. I wanted to leave the army while I still loved it, and I still do. Um, I won't deter anyone from joining. I think it's still the best job in the world. It's just different to what what we all had. Um, so I, I was uh, in a bit of pain and started looking for work, and was super lucky that Huntsman were also looking to um, expand, and they reached out to me and, and said, "Look." we're looking to expand with like an ex-sniper supervisor. Do you know anyone interested? I'm like, yeah, this guy. <laughs> um, and in a roundabout way to answer your question, um, Max, what what was sad was um, you don't realise how like you commit a big chunk of your life to the, to the cause um, and you don't realise how you're just a small cog in a big machine until you leave you you don't want to be carried out on anyone's shoulders and have the band play waltzing matilda as you march around and, and all that but just a, a bit more recognition of like oh cheers for your service mate later like i didn't even get my 15 like, i didn't even get my uh thank you for your service certificate or anything like that i kind of just kind of just was shown the door like hey well thanks uh thanks for thanks for the next time see you later and then you kind of forgotten about you know so that that one was a bit of a was a bit sad so for anyone that is looking to get out if you've committed a big chunk of your life don't expect for them to give you a ticket tape parade down the strand you know what i mean like just be realistic expectation management you are replaceable 100 replaceable so i think the, the shit part about like i mean you could break this down a hundred ways as to why that's a problem but it's it's the posting cycle especially with officers moving in out in out in out for dudes like you and Max that were, were in the battalion for as long as you were in the one battalion, that's how it used to be and that's how it should be. Like it should be, I mean, you can rewrite how the fucking world does armies, but which we're not going to do, but we can get on a soapbox yeah. or on a podcast. If you've yeah. got a group of dudes that, that go or spend that much time together and, and know each other, including your platoon commander, including your company 2IC and your fucking OC and CO, they're probably going to give more of a fuck when you get out. Yeah. If your CEO and your RSM just got there a year ago, they weren't there in the heyday of like all the trips. They weren't there. They don't know the boys. They're like, all right, so I've just lost a person in this role. I need to replace that with another asset in this role. And it's like, so we're just number on a spreadsheet. Yeah, that's it. Just cut and paste, find someone. But I, I mean, I don't, uh, on the other hand, but like if, if you, your farewell parties with the boys. Like if you if you had a big send off and the RSM and the CO turned up, you'd probably tell them to fuck off anyway. Yeah, like you'd yeah. rather have a send off with just the boys getting sideways. Yeah, absolutely, man, hundred percent. And that's that's exactly what we did. You know, the the people I cared about the most came and said goodbye. So that's all that mattered for me. I didn't give a fuck about anyone else. So fuck yeah, but yeah, man, it was um, 
those last few years in Big Blue uh, were pretty tough, as you know, as you boys know. Uh, I don't, mate. I got, have... I got in at the right time. <laughs> at the right time. Get in, get off, get out, mate. Mate, I got in, finished IETs, went to Seymour a week later. After Afghan, luckily, well, not really luckily, but I was I was out of there pretty quickly later. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> in, trip, trip, out. Thank yeah. you very much. I missed That's the bullshit. Thank fuck so yeah, hundred percent. So you, you, I mean, you've heard, you've seen some of the the ice bath stuff that Adrian's doing, and that was fucking. I couldn't believe you got in that. That was a snow capped riverbank, and you got in a river. <laughs> Dude, I can't even turn the, the the cold water shower on cold nope. without jumping out like a little bitch. But th- that's one of the that's one of the human optimization sort of bits that we we're sort of talking about. Is there stuff that you do that that you've either put in place before you noticed anything going on or, or stuff that you, you're doing now that you're like, this actually gets me fucking firing? Mate, yeah, I um, – because of what's going on with my lower body at the moment, a lot of the stuff I used to enjoy doing that used to fire me up I can't do anymore, um, not pain-free anyway. Um, luckily, you I could still – Phenomenal, phenomenal bike ride – yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, cycling is still one of the only things I can do. I'm not real good at going up hills because the incline puts a lot of pressure on my lower back and my hip, which causes a pretty significant amount of pain. But coming down, I can fucking Lance Armstrong it like a like a like a mad dog. But um, mate, I um, I shifted my focus really uh, to finding a new mission. Um, I really wanted to serve and I wanted to keep serving. I tried to join the police, the West Australian police, but they uh, they sent me a nice letter saying my tattoos didn't meet their body art policy. So uh, <laughs> thanks. thanks. you got to no get rid thanks. of those swastikas, so, mate, I told you. Oh, uh, mate, yeah, apparently. My mate got turned out having a, having a chick with titties on his arm yeah. and the WA cops. cops yeah, yeah, Army, man, used like, to be, Army used to be strict like that too, like any any tattoos. It's more of I think they use it as a way. The army used to anyway. Use it as a way to go. I'm not really sure about this dude. He's got tattoos. Let's just tell him it was that. So that's probably yeah. why they kicked you out of the cops, mate. They probably saw us jumping like, no, nah, this dude's fucking too <laughs> loose. We don't yeah. want him. He's going to cause trouble. Oh, tattoos, 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 tattoos. Yeah, that's what I'm tattoos. Not the fact that I was dumb as a post, but uh, yeah, we'll roll the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. So um, basically, uh, I I had to find a new mission. Um, what was going to drive me and thankfully with Huntsman um, we sell a lot of uh, equipment niche equipment to the sniper industry in the army um, and uh, this and SOCOM as well as uh, provide a lot of uh, weapons to uh, some of the fed and state police so I reframe my thought of mine like well I can't serve anymore um, they don't seem to want to let me serve so I'm going to try and make sure the guys that are still guys and girls are still going down range in harm's way, uh, equipped with the best best gear we can provide. So that's basically what I what I do now to try and stay on top of it. That was that reframing your purpose, changing your purpose. Yeah, yeah, man, change your purpose, reframing. Um, some days are harder than others. I'll be honest. Uh, some days I sit there and think, "Fuck, I'd give anything to." You'd be still in the army, but then I think about man, we're not doing anything that we were doing. You know, I don't want to be policing guys' haircuts and and all that all that kind of piss. So, and that's all all I was definitely coming from a guy who had the greatest hair in. <laughs> 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 
I know she did. When I, I didn't catch up with the boys for about three or four years up, well, some of them about three years, and then I turned back up. Fuck, what year was it, Max? I came up there and I ran into Kaimi and we I don't know what we're up there for. Oh, we're up there because they were they were opening the range in Benny's name. Yeah, um, yeah. And so me and a few of the boys came up and I walked on base and I saw you and Gonzo and I'm like, what the fuck happened to ASODs? And this yeah. was just after that Brad Brad Pitt movie came out, that tank mm-hmm. movie. Um, Fury. Fury. So just yeah. after Fury came out, they've all got shaved hairs on the sides and these big fucking bowl yeah, cuts. Yeah. Hang, slick back, and I'm like, oh, I know what's going. You yeah, boys watch Fury. I know it's now you're all Fury. Fury haircuts. I see. I see. No more wars anymore. We'll just get haircuts. Nah, not the movies. That's it. That's all we can do. Live vicariously <laughs> Hollywood, mate. Yeah, that's all we got. Exactly. But man, yeah, I, I walked a fine line with that whole ASODs thing to the point where I actually carried the the printout from the ADM in regards to the haircut, and I had a four centimeter template on the back. So when People try to chant, you know, I'd go, well, actually, sir, as per this by this by this, you know, four centimetres groomed and not stepped, and they just beat them at their own game. They're like, oh, well, it's not groomed. I'm like, oh. Well, hey, bro, do you know they've changed it now? I know. we still got a weapon system you can't put a suppressor on, but no, we could change the ADM. Fix the haircut, mate. Priorities. Fix the haircut. Yeah, go on, priorities. I think it's four centimetres total length now. Yeah, it is. It is. Because everyone was quickly to tell me, like, oh, you got to have the right time, bro. Before, yeah, wasn't it like four centimetres when groomed and you're like, the bulk of their can't exceed four centimetres. You're like, oh, for <laughs> fuck, righto. But, and here's one for you, and this is this is a good one. Uh, I'm, this is 58 minutes. Um, we're in the infantry now, right? Equality, and, and let's, let's talk about equality. I'm all about equality. That's never a thing. Yeah. Women's yeah. equal rights, all that. It's not been a thing since the 1970s. The pay gap is not a fucking thing. It's illegal in Australia to pay people differently based on their sex. It's illegal. You go to jail. So that being said, if you are both an infantry soldier, if you're both infantry soldiers in the Army, male and female, can yep. I have a ponytail? Right, because girls, female infantry soldiers are allowed ponytails. Um, and if we're doing equality and, and we're both a fighting force and we both have to be uh, in the same uh, circumstances and, and situations, do I need to get a four centimeter? If I'm a girl, do I need to get a four centimeter haircut or can I have a ponytail? Or can guys grow ponytails? Just saying. Mate, it's questions like that that keep me awake at night, mate. <laughs> you ask four yeah. questions and the answer is no. Yeah, whatever you like, just asked, no, 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 absolutely not. Like, no, like girl, unless you identify. identify. Well, that's the thing, man. If if I identify as as a female, can I grow my hair long? You know, and can I uh, can I do a BFA? No, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> we'll keep it. <laughs> no, up. but on, on on the serious note of this, like so I, I wanted to jump in before, but I was trying to find a way to segue it back. It's going back about half an hour now, but this is kind of relevant to this. Like there is. Politics and ideals and ideas that you can run in a comfortable Western bubble, and that's fantastic. Do whatever the fuck you want to do, which is what the, the world's kind of gone so far left now. It's about to implode, but that's fine if you're in a comfortable Western bubble. Going back to what you and and when it comes to real world shit, like armies have got to go overseas and fight wars, and it's got to actually function. That's real world yeah, shit, man. right? So, chicks who want to go and fight front lines probably should get fucking haircuts. But don't say it out yeah. loud while you're in Australia because you'll go to jail on the ABC. Yeah. Going back to what 100%. you're talking about, like training training those, the Philippine Army, right? I just wanted to put it in a context for some people because you you might – they probably don't watch this podcast, but a lot of people 
right now would listen to you say we trained these Philippine. It was the Philippine Army, yeah. It was trained yeah, the uh, Philippine, Philippine Army. Corps, sorry, trained the Philippine Marine Corps. Two days later, they went back and started stacking bodies. Right to most yeah. people inside the Western bubble, they're like, "Oh, why are these guys so excited about dying and people people getting killed?" And the answer to that is that it's not that it's exciting for random unknown people to be getting killed. These Filipinos, their day to day life in their actual own country, yeah, man, are in gunfights for their own life, hundred percent, and that is Absolutely. real world for them. Like for for us, like even us, like the four of us, it's that we we had the lucky or the opportunity to go. We had to go into a shithole and fight a war, but then we got to come home inside the bubble where it's yeah. safe and secure, and you can Absolutely. talk about gender equity and fucking politics like that. The reality for most of the world is it's either third world, it's a shit hole and you're fighting for your life just to get food and survive, or you're in gunfights with bad guys every day. And yeah, that's that's 100%. real for those Filipino like Marine boys. They like coming to train with you, A, upskilling to save their life. B, it's probably a fucking holiday. Then they've got to go yeah, back mate, and get in ticks every day. Mate, you don't know how correct you are. Like that was something we the boys, uh, the team that I went over with, man, I had a, a great group of guys. Um, at the beginning, a few of them were engine like, oh, mate, we tell the Filipinos be there at 9 o'clock and they turn up at like 10, 10.30, you know. Yeah, this is this is a bit dumb. And then you go like, well, mate, let's put it in perspective. A lot of these guys were just fighting in cities away from their families. They've come back for a week or two weeks and they're now, instead of going back to see their families, they're coming to us to be trained, to be turned around and pushed back into the meat grinder. So if they have a late start, let them have a late start because for fuck's sake, for all we know, in a week or so, they could be dead. Like, so it's all put it in perspective, you know. Like You're exactly right, Adrian. They were literally in, in contact daily, like operations. What, like, what, how we take Christmas leave is for them. They'll be at war for 11 months a year maybe go back to their family for a month and then they're back into it, you know. So if they weren't fighting the Islamic insurgents, they were fighting the communists. So it's a pretty – mate, I was – I thought I had a pretty good grasp on um, the world. It wasn't until I actually got to the Philippines and talked to these, some of these guys and realised, man, that this is six hours away from Australia. This is all going down, you know. Like we live in a super safe little bubble down here where everyone can hold hands and protest and – you know, drink their fucking soy lattes and kale and all that, and and they think nothing's going to happen. But it's six hours away. It's a ninety k gap between here and Port Moresby, and the Philippines archipelago is is just one big land bridge. So it really is not that far away. You know, we are safe down here, but we're not that isolated as people like to think. You know, it's, a, it's Mate, kind of scary. I I'd, I'd be careful going. We are safe down here. We're mm. 15 seconds away from fucking China. Oh, then boy. Then I, don't want to, I don't want to be the dude who throws fear in, like, make everyone listen to this get super anxious. But no, it's a shorter not. flight from here to Darwin. I oh, know Darwin to the Philippines and, and, and over into where that is their reality. It's quicker to get from Darwin to there than it is to get from Darwin to where I am at the moment. And yeah, 100%. It's a plane that, flight. With the, with the, you go over with the ANA and there was there was – they're like, oh, these ANA, they're lazy. They don't go on patrol, like blah, blah, blah. Like this is what we got briefed in before we go. Like, you know, you're a professional army. You've got to go out. And I just, I honestly believe it's dudes reading books about dudes who read books about yeah, yeah. World War II, right? These are dudes, these ANA dudes who get paid fuck all, who 
who have to go on patrol every day, and then they get they then they get a new then they get a new Australian rotation come in, right? Mm-hmm. And they're the like, year. "Come on, guys, we're going to patrol six days a week, and you're going to do twelve hours a day patrols, and we're going to fight." And they're like, "It's not a, it's not operation for me, mate. This is this is called Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You might you might call, you might call this operation fucking." Whatever sexy name you were, spearhead, thro- whatever the fuck you want to call it. For me, it's mm-hmm. Tuesday. And yeah. I've got to stay alive because it's a fucking job, mate. Yeah, and I kind of want to. I kind of want to keep my legs, so yeah. you know, I'm going right. to stay in bed. And yeah. you build a rapport with diggers, and it was the same with like the Germans in World War Two, with the Brits and the Germans. They would get out, and the, and the Turks and the Australians. The diggers finally realized they're like, why the fuck are we killing each other? They don't want to kill me. They're like. Someone else is being a dickhead, but regardless, um, you get back in the trenches the next day and you go and kill each other. And the ANA yeah, were man. like, I'm going to go on holidays and I've got to try and get from here to Perth and not drive over an IED yeah. and not get my head cut off and then come back and then you go on patrol with the, with the next Australian rotation that goes, come on, guys, we're making a difference. And they're like, dude, yeah, fuck yeah. off, mate. Yeah, like, come on, man. No, fuck off, mate. Come on. It's like that mega keen guy on uh on course. He's pushing for some. He's like, come on, guys. Let's go do it. Like, fuck off. Just, just let me be So average. what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> we hijacked the fuck out of that. That was, it's, it's, it should have been SHOT Show. We were talking about fucking Africa. But. Oh. but um, hey, we can go back to SHOT Show. We can. I was going to say. Go. Oh, literally, literally, we should all go to SHOT Show. Mate, 100%. When's I the mean, next one? Vegas and there's guns. Well, we can't internationally one? travel. Yeah, that's, a, that's well, a pickle. Yeah, so that's that's a pickle. Maybe 2022 we can all, all aim for for shot show, you know. But um, but yeah, well, going back going back to shot show, man. Um, it was it was amazing. The uh, Vegas is amazing. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have been. Max, I know you've been to the states, haven't you? You went over there, um, trainer boys, one time. Uh, I went over. I, no, I went over to see uh, states to visit my dad, uh, which is a cool, funny story. Uh, we got time, mate. <laughs> yeah. uh, you want to say Uncle Tony story time? So, yeah, come on. So I'm 21 years old, uh, <laughs> and my <laughs> and my dad says, "Righto, uh, do you want to come to America and meet me?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool. That'll be sick. Let's do that." Uh, so we fly to America. Uh, with a mate who was a civvy, who was a clerk in one hour. We flew over to Vegas first for five days. I had like six grand or so. I don't know how many thousands of dollars I had. Got into Vegas for three days first. And I didn't, I mean, there's stuff we can't talk about yet on the podcast, <laughs> but it's Vegas, right? And uh, I gambled. I think I blew six grand in like three days. And I was collecting chips. I was collecting $50 chips from all the casinos like MGM Grand and the Bellagio and like, yeah, I'll bring these back. And and then there's a particular currency that you can expend them on for a particular commodity. And I realized at the end of the three days, I'd blown six grand and those $50 chips is quite a substantial amount of money. So getting them changed over to then be able to spend that was also a mission. But uh, after getting off the plane, so I flew from, from Vegas to – uh, St. Louis, and I'd never seen my dad before. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to go see him. And there was this dude holding up a sign, and he's like, welcome home, Anthony. And I'm like, he's a six-foot-eight, red-headed, 
giant and i'm like must be my dad right 100 percent's gotta be my dad so i went up and i went and give, i went over give him a big hug and he's like i'm not your dad dude that's your dad <laughs> oh no that's your dad over there and i was like oh, i wasted <laughs> see that oh, five foot hungarian looking dude over there yeah that's your dad <laughs> that's your dad Oh, I'm a Viking, motherfucker. Get away from me. <laughs> You're a half human. Get away. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, um, but yeah, man, that's the only time I've been to Vegas. Uh, so, well, yeah, we'll, but I want to know. We'll end it on that happy story. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> seg- segwaying away from you um, uh, embracing your old man incorrectly for the first time. Uh, yeah, Vegas was good, man. Um, um, no, like. <laughs> We got into Vegas the night of the Conor McGregor fight, uh, his comeback fight, Cowboys for Ryan, and I desperately wanted to go. I'm a huge McGregor fan, um, and I desperately wanted to go, but it was $1,000 for nosebleeds, 1000 I was like, I love McGregor, but I can't spend $1,000 on nosebleeds. I wish I did, um, just quietly, because he probably won't fight again. But um, He's not fighting. So, but- I thought he was keep going. Oh, he, mate, he's retired like 20 times in his career, you know, like every every time he, so he, he probably will, he probably will fight again, but what's the chances of me being in Las Vegas again for a, for a McGregor fight, you know, like, but um, I desperately wish I went, but the strip was electric uh, that night and the boys had put me up in a really good hotel. I didn't know it was a really good hotel, but it was a fucking amazing hotel and me and uh, Matt, my marine uh scout sniper buddy we were in the bar drinking and um herb dean came in the referee come in i'm like oh shit that's herb dean and then uh chuck liddell come in i'm like holy fuck that's chuck liddell and then um then this uh security guy come over and goes hey boys i'll just get you to stand back a little bit i'm like all right no worries and dan blazerian and his entourage of women uh came in as well and i'm like god yeah, like this is like being in a in a in a music video kind of thing, and and then Flavor Flav, no shit, as the leave, Flavor Flav was out the front with his big with his big clock around. Uh, so that was the that was my introduction to Vegas. Um, we turned it on all fucking night as we did um, because I was staying at the hotel. We had VIP entry to the nightclub uh, in that place, so went into the VIP section. Um, was crazy. I think there's a bunch of NFL players and all that in there. Next morning, I nipped over the border to Arizona to race a, a 400 horsepower V8 trophy truck around the track because I was like, I'm not coming to America and not race at a trophy truck. So I did that, which was pretty fucking amazing. What wasn't amazing is as I was getting in the truck, they handed me a liability form saying that if I rolled it, I was going to pay 20,000 US dollars to uh, have this thing fixed. And I'm like, ooh, okay. They, that wasn't in the safety brief. So that kind of... That kind of inhibited how hard I was on comms. The guy's telling me, mate, go faster, go faster, hit the jumps quicker. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I don't have 20 grand US, 40-odd thousand dollars. But uh, that that kicked off what was a good week, man. Like we, The first day of SHOT Show is actually a range day. Um, and um, we – because uh, we, we represent Daniel Defence, uh, weapon manufacturer in Australia, they invite us to their VIP range and – just think of every gun that you ever wanted to shoot and they have just there. You can just walk up and start shooting a man. Like it was pretty amazing. And what I really took away was as I'm pulling in, I noticed this 
great big black truck and I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure that's the Black Rifle Coffee Company truck that I see on Instagram all the time. Um, and I was getting a little bit excited because I've got a massive, I'm not ashamed to say it, I've got a massive man crush on Evan Hafer. And um, sure enough, I walk down and there's Evan Hafer up in this coffee truck. It's like a, it's like a Unimog that they've converted into like a coffee stand. And there's Evan Hafer up in his in his coffee truck, and I'm like, oh fuck, that's that's Evan Hafer, man. Like that's 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 my boy, you know. Like I don't have many heroes in this place. Maybe Mark Donaldson, and then Evan Evan Hafer there. So I was real nervous about meeting him. And um, he leans over and goes, "Hey, man, you want a coffee?" I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, "Come on, come up." So I come up, and he and he goes, "Oh, you're Australian?" I'm like, "Yep." He goes, "Your vets?" And I'm like, "Yep." And then he starts talking to us like we're normal people you know like here's a ceo of a 40 million dollar business making me a coffee like um and he and he was just a real cool dude man like real cool guy um and he 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 said you know he'd worked with a lot of australians obviously boys from the regiment um worked with a lot of australians in their time and he thinks that we definitely have paid a bill in the global war of terror um bigger than what we owed, you know what I mean? He said he, the Australian commitment to that cause was amazing. So that was really cool, man, to, to meet him um, and him be such a good dude and naturally I got a photo with him. So that, that kicked off the, the, the shot show perfectly. You didn't, get his, uh, you didn't get his phone number, contact details or email by any chance, mate? No, I tried. He did He did say a lot, a lot of people confused me for um, the Australian Matt Best, so he did invite me to come and um, be on his – no, that's not true. No one, it's, no one says that at all. I'm <laughs> you have your own YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as popular too, I, I reckon. But um, Hey, you got to start somewhere. So, it, righto. So I'm a, I'm a young dude. I'm in the Army. I'm obviously knowing my way around guns uh, mm-hmm. outside of SHOT Show but in the, in the Huntsman in, – in the shooting industry. Um, mm-hmm. I want to go and shoot ruse and fucking deer. Mm. All right, kind of different, but maybe ruse up the deer, maybe some pigs. That's fucking yep. horrible. Okay, so, so I want to shoot just, every. Just, if it moves and has a heartbeat, stop I want you to right shoot. there, Mex. Before you um, before you incriminate yourself, shooting ruse you actually have to be a licensed feral uh, feral um, eradicator. You can't legally okay. shoot oh, ruse. So lucky you've never so done it, mate. I Lucky I've never, never shot Ruse, that, mate. But if you do shoot Ruse, you need to have a tag per Ruse you shoot. Um, unless you're unless you're indigenous like Keegan. How long's that been? How long, is that yeah, is that a that's a thing? It's a boy. Sorry? Yeah. That, that's an actual yeah, you gotta, that been around. Mate, yeah, that's a, that's an actual thing. I couldn't tell you how long it's been around, but it's it's been around for a while. Um you actually need to be a, a licensed uh, feral eradicator to to shoot him. Um and and you need to be able to do it humanely because you know it's like we've all seen ruse shot at times. Um, if you use the wrong caliber round and you don't place them in the right place, like they're so strong that they'll just keep kicking on, mm-hmm. and it's quite horrific to watch these poor things die horrifically because you can't fucking place a shot that's going to kill them off humanely. But it, it's actually a really good question, um, and I've actually got some notes. So, if, if so oh, yeah. So, if you were going to shoot a large mm-hmm. hopping dog, yep. <laughs> if you had a tag, you had a tag. Yeah, if, you, if you were licensed to do so. hypothetically, hypothetically, what was Rogan's old line? It was allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. So, allegedly, you want to shoot a roo, which I don't condone it unless you're a licensed shooter. Um, basically, that's what you're looking at is more your medium. Uh, 
medium caliber weapon uh, ammunition that you're looking at. I've actually I've prepared for this one, mate. So some of your medium game calibers you're looking at is 22, 250, 243. My favorite, 308. Um, hence, that's my shirt that I'm wearing right now. And 6.5 Creedmoor is is a they're what you're looking at for stuff for games such as fox, wildcats, wild dogs, rabbits at an extended um, distance. Obviously, you're not going to smack a rabbit with a uh, with 308 at 10 meters because if you're planning on eating it later, well, there's not going to be much to eat. Um, some of your smaller correction. That's um sorry. That's medium game would be your deer, pigs, goats, roos. I should say uh, with your three oh eight. Your smaller game. You're looking around two two three. That's your rabbits, uh, wild and, dogs, and two, and, and so two two three is is five five six for yeah. for agres. Nato like, near on near on yeah. yeah near on mate. Like you'll get and some f- purists yeah. out there that will be like, oh, it's not really, but it's the same fucking thing. I mean, it's like, pretty cl- like <laughs> so we're close right, enough, so- or we're not going to. If you yeah. bought a rifle, a two two three rifle, you could, and you found some five five six lying around. Yeah. <laughs> you could just. Yeah. You could but you shoot mate. five. Can you shoot five five six for a two two three? Yes, mate. Did we just clear that up? <laughs> yeah. So oh, Mex, I'll, yeah. I'll explain that. Mix told Mix. This is why you got to go to a professional to get advice, right? Mix gave me the furphy that they they modified. So two two three and five five six are slightly different, and three oh eight and seven six two are slightly different. So you can't steal rounds from work. I'm pretty sure some RSM twenty years yeah, ago made that shit up. Hundred percent. No, so three oh eight and seven six two are mildly different, are they not? They're, they're so mildly mild. different. So I walk into no? a, I walk into a gun shop a month ago. I'm like, mate, I want to get a three oh eight. I may have some. Um, well. Hang on, let's pause that. I want to get a 308. Does it fit 762? Let's just go with that. And he's like, yeah, it's the same thing, mate. And I'm like, oh, now I'm a fucking idiot. And I should have just not listened to Vex. <laughs> oh, my dog's going off. That's why you've got uh, yeah. her. That's why I've got her. That's her job. But um, getting, can you guys hear that? She's, for a little Frenchie, she's, little uh, she's a goer. Mate, for... If you're looking at large game, um, such as scrub bulls, wild horses, buffalo, camel, obviously wild horses, not the ones at Singo, as uh, some of the boys <laughs> will tell you, is a bad, bad thing. Um, you're looking at your 300 win mag, 338, 338 lap um, Then you've got your trophy animals, which they require a specific or a minimum caliber that you need to use to make sure that you're killing them humanely. Like you should be killing all your animals humanely anyway. I'm, I'm not a, here she goes, I'm not a big advocate. Like um, I don't just go hunting to satisfy bloodlust. I, if I was to hunt, it's to harvest of meat. I don't just like killing stuff for the sake of killing it. Like I'll, I'll get a deer if, and, and harvest the meat and put it in the freezer kind of thing. Like a lot of people out there just enjoy um, slotting stuff for, for the sake of slotting it but pigs are a bit different pigs are a wild pest especially up the north here as you know you've got to do something to control them because they they cause a lot of I mean you could kill 100 pigs in the night you're not even going to make a dent in what they're doing so pigs are a bit different you can kind of kill them um, indiscriminately but I try to be careful on, on what I'm shooting um, yeah that's the fucking thing man I, I think um, 
it's a misconception, and I don't think you're ever going to win this argument with with. Nah. But if you could sit down with someone and go, "Hey, like pigs fuck up dams, and mm. and they are horrendous, and they're in they're they are." I don't even know. Actually, I'm, we, we we're going to have to get a super lefty on the show yeah. and just go and just go, "Hey, look." We shoot oh. pigs because they fuck up farmers' lands, yeah. and uh, and, and we've got to control them. And they're a pest, and they do a lot of damage. And they're breeding, and they blah blah blah. And they were like, maybe they've got a maybe they've got a zinger. I highly doubt it. I fucking highly maybe. doubt it because they're probably seventeen years old, and they read it out of a textbook. But yep. Well, mate, just just look at it. imagine if something like swine through got into the natural pigs up here and up in North Queensland, and then it it went through to normal pig pig farms and all that like it, it could cripple us it could shut the industry down you know what i mean like so it's a pretty big thing it's a pretty big deal my argument is 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 um everyone's like yeah i'm super spiritual super woke and i do these things that the indians do not my argument that is never my argument <laughs> so we do these things that the indians used to do and we um, they they like we we replicate imitate some practices that they used to do, but they also used to hunt and they used to do some things. They're they pretty respectful. They used to be respectful yeah. of the hunt. And they did it for a reason. Why can you not now, as a Westerner, replicate those practices for an end state of killing an animal, but for the same reason as perhaps doing another leftist behavioral thing that is acceptable? Like I just. Like, can we not encapsulate the whole thing? Ignorance, mate. People want to believe what they want to believe and everyone thinks meat just comes from the supermarket. So, Mate, I think I've said this know. on a – I don't know if i said this on a podcast before. I, I turned up at home the other day with a new 308. I, at, when I say at home, I was in Newcastle picking it up and it was on the floor and I was just laying all this kit out to, to, to put it away properly and my mum comes home. And she's like, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, uh, it's for hunting, mum. She goes, what are you hunting? I'm like, most likely deer. People. And she's like, that's disgusting. And I'm like, you fucking eat meat. You had you had a steak yeah, last yeah. night. And she's like, that's different. I'm like, what? How is it different? Mate, it's different? that same thing. It's the same as the Philippine Marines going back to the real world and, and getting in ticks every day. We're in a Western bubble where – we don't want to know where food comes from. We don't want to know what actually happens outside the Western world. We don't want to know where the sausage is made or where poos go when they go down the toilet. Like we just want to be ignorantly comfortable and yeah, yeah. go about our daily life. It's easy. Yeah, man. It is. It's way easier. Ignorance is bliss. The more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. So Yeah, and I think people that haven't done it don't know what the feeling is. Like if you can provide meat. And like go spearing with the boys, bring back a feed, and then sit down and eat. It's so much more satisfying than going to the fucking shop. Yeah, and I mean it's it's not fu- like I don't know what it's like for everyone. The first time I killed an animal to eat, I felt a little bit empty inside, and then after I'm like, oh, I was going to eat meat anyway. And you, you, you yeah. yeah, I mean it's the same as anything. You you become numb to it and you do it over and over. But me and Max, me and Max took took guns out one night to go shooting up north, a few hours north of Newcastle, and all we found is horses. And this is like the the bloodlust argument. We looked at these wild brumbies and they're a pest, right? And I couldn't do it and Mex couldn't do it. And I'm like, and I remember you saying, mate, I'll never, this was years ago. I remember you saying, I'm like, if we kill that, I will cry There's myself no to sleep at night. I'm like, fuck it, 100%. Yeah, mate. Uh, mate. I am not killing a horse because yeah, I'm not going to eat it. Could you, nah, 
and, and you associate it like a pet. Like we look at horse, uh, the guys in World War One rode them into war, and you know people have pets as 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 uh, animal horses as pets, and that. And then you're like, oh, we'll just drop this. It'd be like going out and shooting my little Frenchie. Like, oh, I can't do this. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna break my heart. No, nah, there's not a chance of it, mate. No, nah. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I, but but uh, but is that conditioning the same thing as? Um, people are like, I can't shoot a person. You're like, sure you can. They're kind of like rabbits when you get used to it. <laughs> but yeah, it's man. the same as everything, no, mate. You, you need to, I mean, it, this is diving into psychology. You just got to, you brainwash someone enough and you can make them hunt anything. Yep. Yeah. All you got to do is. Remember the Dutch? Remember the, in the messes, the Dutch were eating horse. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've eaten horse. I wouldn't, I don't know if, I was on a buffet, you know, Mongolian restaurant in Switzerland, like it was there, and there's all these other random animals. I'm like, oh, you got to try it. I'm like, yeah, I probably won't do that again. It wasn't delicious yeah. enough to make me want to eat horse every night. But yeah, I couldn't do we, it, mate. I, honestly, we accidentally ate dog in on my first rotation of team, or we were doing a hearts and minds job with a with an Australian nurse, a Catholic uh, uh, nun, I should say, and they presented us food, and we're like, this is really strange meat. We hadn't eaten nothing but ration packs, and like, what's this? And they're like, uh, put, put, put. And we're like, what? And like, oh, it's dog. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, like, I'm like, hey, look, interpreter, just correct me. Did it sound like you said dog? Like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm like, ah, okay, right, dog. Right. Uh, that's something different. Might be doing that again, but <laughs> yeah. And I'm a big dog fan as well. So that was like, ah, that's kind of sad. Yeah, I've got two dogs. That's it. It's weird, eh? I don't know what it is. I don't know what the crossover is, but um, the apocalypse. That's when you cross over, man. Well, mate, we had the remember. Remember when you boys first when the stomp first got cancelled and everyone's in Sydney and we were like, (laughs) "All right, the apocalypse is coming. It's the world's about to fall apart. Let's get ready for it." And no shit, like it was a joke, but it also wasn't a joke. You're like, (laughs) when this goes real bad, we're going to start eating people. And you look at the window, like that dude's probably going to get eaten first. Then the dog, the dog, the dog's going. I'll probably eat the dog before Max. Yeah. But I mean, it's oh, hopefully. <laughs> oh my god, they're both shit bikes. I'll just eat both of them. <laughs> no, like, hung, mate, you, you, the the it's the Western bubble again. Where no one goes hungry anymore. You don't even need to leave your house for food anymore. You press two buttons and shit rocks up at your house. And as soon as people get hungry. And Uber Eats stops delivering and Woolworths mm-hmm. shelves are empty. I mean, we ran out of toilet paper. We didn't run out of food. If we yeah. ran out of food, that separates the men from the boys. You're like, you were a lefty. I mean, you you wanted to stop people hunting. You wanted to go and sail around on the bloody Sea Shepherd yesterday. Now you're hungry and you haven't eaten in 48 hours. You are eating anything that moves. 100%. You will eat whatever is available. And I think that's why, like, people people always talk about, like, all, all the boys and, like, veterans, the mentality is, like, oh, Apocalypse was coming. And you're like, fuck, yeah. And it's not so much, well, one, it's exciting, but it's also now we get to see how all these people from the comfort bubble respond to adversity. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it has been interesting. Who's a liability and who's an asset? Hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nah, hopefully not, man. Like, because let's be honest, if this was really apocalypse and 
let's be honest, COVID is, is bad, but it's the apocalypse on the lowest setting and we failed miserably. Um, if this was real, like zombies because people uh, don't, and all that. People don't give a shit, bro. Like honestly, it's, it's been on the news now since March. The problem is if you if you over it's exactly what they do. If you overexpose, it's what they do to us before we go overseas. Yeah, you condition people to a thing, then they stop giving a shit about it. Yeah, it man. has been on the news and it has been on ABC News yeah. nonstop for eighteen hours a day since March. People are just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, and and they should, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm saying people have I'm just stopped giving a fuck. Either. <laughs> we won't go into that. We, well, maybe. We, no. How long are we going? Yeah. Oh, I think we've got a bloody. Uh, I think that's pretty pretty close to the end. Anyway, we'll wrap it oh, up. Oh, really? Go full conspiracy. Yeah. Well, probably no, a safe no. bet. Probably a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, just let me change the battery out before we wrap it up. So, wait one. Yeah, Roger. But I've got a uh, thing you posted yesterday, Adrian, was the funniest thing. If oh, all the obese Tim, people, that was from Tim Kennedy. I, I don't think I've, I've probably forgotten huh. to tag him in it. But mate, if we what, what we should do with this podcast is just tag every person that's been name dropped all the way down to that flavor dude that I've never heard of before that he was talking about with big chains. But he's got a giant clock around his chest. Oh, does he? And he I don't watch. I'm the assuming he's a rapper, anymore, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, Tim Kennedy's on it for the funny stuff. He's a pretty right wing real dude. Well, we can tag. There's Matt Best. There's uh, Evans. There's there's a few. Well, I think we're good. We're good to go. Old tags, but yeah, it was funny. So it feels like the start of Corona feels like a hundred years ago. You're like, oh, and that may, if you want, I'm just going to dip my toe in the conspiracy pool. If you want a population to feel like it's become this is the norm, right? Corona, COVID environment is now the norm. This is the perfect way to do it. You're like, all right, there was, a, there was a, a quick onset. Everybody went fucking mental. They started buying up toilet paper and hating on each other. And then it became, oh, everyone's in lockdown. America's in lockdown. The whole world's in lockdown. It's cool. It's going to be over soon. And then it wasn't over soon. And then in Australia, it was over pretty quickly. We we're kind of lucky. And then you're like, all right, they, they're going to forget about this. Look, everyone had already forgotten about it. I'm like, no, nah, we've got to drag it out. If you want it to become the norm, Drag it out even longer. And now you're looking at it going, Corona started about, what, a decade and a half ago? Like, no, mate, it was it was March. <laughs> um, but it feels like it's been going for so long and it's now normal. Like, mate, you want you, – I, I I know I, I don't want to put my foot in it, but fuck it. Like, wearing masks – But, but I'm going to – But I'm going to, mate. I got, I got, this is an opinion piece. There's no science you slipped in. It. Wearing masks is fucking stupid. Like, I know they're making everybody wear them in Melbourne – just keep people away from each other. If you're a high risk, just stay the fuck away from everyone. Like masks in Australia, I never thought I'd see the day. I like people come no. over from China. Like there's a lot of Chinese people in Australia. Fair enough. They're used to it. It's the norm for them. Wearing masks mostly because there's smog everywhere and they didn't realize that the, wearing a mask doesn't actually stop you from breathing in smog. But anyway, and then you see a few Chinese people wearing masks in Sydney. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Everyone's wearing them now. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? They don't do anything. Yeah. Born into the bullshit. Like you're walking out and most people are wearing them because they think it's protecting them. I know all these kids that are wearing them, these teenage kids that are wearing them. If you go, you know you're wearing a mask to protect everyone else from you, they'll probably tear it off and be like, fuck everyone else. 
It, it was still <laughs> wearing because <laughs> they think it's protecting them. All it's doing is make you re-breathe your own shit all day. Yeah. Um, wow, mate. Ignorance anyway. is bliss. It is bliss, mate. I just want to see whether what, whatever the World Health Organization says next will be interesting. Bill Gates is telling everyone he's got 7 billion doses of vaccine ready to go. Have you tr- tested it, mate? Yeah, everyone was infertile after the test, but we're going to yep. roll it out. Yep. Why do you want to roll it out? Because it's fucking expensive, mate. I've got to get my money back. Don't pay for yourself, mate. <laughs> you, you built computers for a living and now you're telling me to inject shit into my body? Stop it. Oh, the other bloke that built computers money. for a living, like Steve Jobs, I'm on a soapbox now. You, you probably should have cut this 20 minutes ago. Steve oh, Jobs, yeah, no mate, shit. You're gonna get you're gonna get clinticided real soon. Oh, man. fucking good. Mm. Um, Bill- accidentally snapping your own. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, right? They they used to go head to head. Super smart dudes, do computers, good to go. Stick to fucking computers. Steve Jobs was a billionaire, died of cancer. Why? Because he had a shit diet and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm not going to dig into his med file, but he was eating fruit and nothing else. And if you want to feed cancer, if you get cancer, you want to feed it to die real quick, just eat heaps of sugar. That's how you do it. I'm like, let's not get health advice from dudes who build computers for a living. Let's get computer advice from them. Let's get health advice from dudes who understand health for their entire lives, please, except for Fuji or Fauci. (laughs) He likes money too. <laughs> anyway, oh, man. he can cut oh, good. the last. Good soapbox. Yeah, that's going to be the that's going to be the best soundbite. You know, no, nah, that? it'll take us. Just, it'll take. Nah. <laughs> Come on, mate. Nah. No, so man, you're no, you're doing you uh, the, the Huntsman piece, mate, and just to round it out, uh, yeah, uh, you're working for Huntsman Firearms now. And Huntsman AUS, we changed the name. Oh. Yeah. So uh, uh, we uh, the boys changed the name from Huntsman Firearms to AUS because the moment you drop firearms on anything, it just sends up red flags. So we'd have people in the US trying to pay for uh, like, oh, sorry, like we'd receive payment for orders and the banks would freeze it because like, oh, firearms, oh, hang on a minute kind of thing and, and it just becomes a, a real big drama through border control and all that. So they, the guys changed it to AUS. So it makes it a bit more streamlined. Yep. Oof. Righto. So my fan there. Get it right. Well, we're going to round it out, mate. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to drop on us before we head off, mate? No, I will, man. Um I'll just wrap it up real quick. Uh, just so Huntsman, we are, it is a veteran owned organization and we are really getting into that government spec, uh, government end state where we really want to keep serving the boys um, that are, and, and ladies that are going down range in harm's way. We still do the retail side. So we're not your traditional hunting store or gun shop. Um, we're more in that custom high end bolt gun. Um, range and like i said that being said you don't need to drop 12k to have fun you can spend you know three and a half grand you can have fun so if anyone's interested um reach out reach out to us uh, we're on social media uh, we've got a youtube page you call the shop email us let us know that you're a serving member member or first uh, responder and 
like I said, we look after where we can. We, we already run pretty tight prices, um, but we always try and sharpen it up to look after the guys that are, you know, that are still serving. So my biggest advice I can give to AJs when you move state, know the legislation of the country of country of the state you're going to. I made that classic mistake when I posted this thing. I was an instructor in 2016. I uh, turned up at a gun shop in Maitland, pulled my gun out, and uh, the guy just about did backflips, and I thought he was going to call the cops on me. I'm like, mate, what's the problem? And he goes, what's the problem? What's the problem? This. And he starts clicking my folding buttstock in and out, and I'm like, yeah, so? And he goes, this is illegal. I shouldn't even let you leave with this. Blah, blah, blah. Starts carrying on. I'm like, wow, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know. I'm just a digger kind of thing. Um, it's my first day. And uh, um, I ended up getting that rectified. I had to get the butt stop fixed uh, so it wouldn't collapse. But just know your uh, know what legislation you're going into. For, like, for instance, West Australia has appearance laws. So if you turn up with a gun that looks too scary, it's technically it can be classed as illegal. So... If it looks military and looks too scary, it's illegal. If it's if it has Shut a picket front rail, yeah, legit, mate. So that's a dangerous law, mate. It, and it really is. So my biggest advice to the army boys and police and all that that are moving around: if you're moving and you're taking your weapon, know what your law is, so you're not turning up and breaking the law like I did straight off the bat. So that's the, that's my biggest advice. And if you don't know, call Huntsman, and they'll bloody tell you. Yeah. 100%, mate. We do it a lot. We do it a lot. Boys that, you know, get in two commando and post them down there, we'll hang on to their gats for them and send them down once they're good to go. So we, we look after we, we look after everyone where we can, man. Mate, we'll put a link in the comments, and, and, and that's a fucking sick. That, that That is something, especially with current seven dudes. I've fallen in the trap myself, so. Yeah, man. So do I. Still do. Finally, just real quick before we do go, we, we, when we're going to do the stomp, we were talking about getting uh, – Huntsman to, to organise a range day, mostly yeah. so we can get yeah, diggers that, that are either getting out or that are still in, out there, hands-on civvy gats, get some knowledge from you boys. Well, that was going to be the plan when we are walking through Townsville. Now, obviously, the stock might go yeah. ahead till next year now, but we, yeah. if you're still keen, bro, let, let's talk about putting one together and we'll just, 100%. once the borders open again, we'll, we'll come up and um, shoot some bloody YouTube videos and do a Mate. range day. Hundred percent, man. Like I'll gladly, we will gladly support you boys. Um, what in anything? Like uh, while I got you, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you. Like I was honoured when Mex reached out and goes, "Hey, man, do you want to come on?" Because I'm like, "Fuck me, you've had Coco, you've had Was, you've had Phil Thompson." Um, I'm like, "Fuck." Hopefully, hopefully I can uh, live up to the. Uh, to the caliber that you've already had in place. And if not, if people find this boring and they struggle to sleep, well, then fucking they can they put can it on fucked. and, you know, <laughs> they can, channel your fucking, you know, <laughs> they, they, they could, uh, they could maybe listen uh, and help go to sleep. But uh, in, in all seriousness, boys, um, I really support what you guys are doing. It's a, it's a noble cause. Um, it really is. And I'll help you wherever I can. Um, and I think uh, we've all, We've put too many of our mates, um, without lowering the tone, we've, we've put too many of, of our mates in the ground that we probably could have prevented. So uh, love what you guys are doing. Uh, we'll support it wholeheartedly with whatever you ask me. I'll, I'll gladly help. And just a quick shout-out to any of my boys that I've served with. Um, feel free to, to ring me if I was there for you when we were serving. I'm still here for you now. So 
I don't care if you call me at two o'clock in the morning, um, gut full of piss and want to cry in my ear. I'd rather that than get a phone call at nine o'clock in the morning saying that another one of our mates had taken their lives. So love what you guys are doing and I'll help you in any way that you, uh, that you want me to do. I think Thanks, you're doing mate. a great you're... job, so keep it up. Cheers, bro. Legend. Cool. There. I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up there.